Chan is a killer. Two tours, Iraq, Afghanistan. And he came back with a lot of cash, but no soul. He's always trying to fuck the war out of himself. I have orgasms. He has wargasms. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents Pictures Power. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinsky. And I am Bartek, the other host. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I am well. That's <laughs> good. I'm human. I get the Oscar. Yes, your brother Oscar. You do have one, <laughs> yes. Uh, we are Spin Polish, likingly, because we are always spinning, and we both happen to be Polish. See, Bartek, I mention that now, so that way we don't have to mention it later. Yeah. Because there are people sitting on the edge of their seats who haven't listened to this podcast before, or if they have, and they might have missed it, mm. the 180 times we've done it or whatever. Should we should we <laughs> recap all the information we've been so far? So it's Spin Polish Presents, Pictures Power, Ryan Swinski, Bartek Kaspyszak. Bartek has a brother named Oscar. Um, uh, I'm human. S- human. <laughs> I win Oscar. Oh, oh, we're a podcast. We're a podcast. We always spit and we're both Polish, but coincidentally. And we're ant. <laughs> so... And we're ant? Yeah, and. And. Oh, yes, we're ant. We're ants as well. Yes, and we gave a recap. We're doing our Pictures Power, a weekly show in which we cover a movie that has come highly recommended, or just recommended in this case. Or uh, chosen, yes. <laughs> well, it's a recommendation yes, nonetheless. Yes. Uh, from whether it's from Bartek, myself, or you, the listening people. Bartek, this week we did a recommendation from you. Yeah. And the just to uh, go back to the end of last week's episode, mm-hmm. you did preface that this is a movie that you don't like or didn't like when you first yes. saw it. Yes, I was very negative about this film. In fact, in my previous podcast that I did that's no longer out there, I think I talked about this film and tried trashing it a bit. Yeah? Yeah. So this is a bit of a new precedent here because we've been doing movies we like or movies that have been recommended to us by other people that they like. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least movies that we felt indifferent upon, like The Dark Knight Rises, you felt indifferent, and I felt like it was a good movie at the time I saw it, but it was flawed, and now I feel different. Yeah. Uh, as do you, I think. <laughs> You're still a bit <laughs> indifferent, but you can see it's a bit shit, because Tom Hardy's only five foot nine on a on a warm day. Fucking uh, shorty. Shorty McGee, get shorty, starring <laughs> John Travolta. Uh, we're doing the film Savages from 2012, your yes. recommendation, the That's Oliver right. Stone movie. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen the film Savages, uh, uh, watch it if you like to better understand what we're going to delve into because we're going to get into the plot points, mm-hmm. the, the beats, the motions, what we feel, all that kind of stuff. So if you haven't seen it and you're worried about what we're going to say, spoiling the experience for you, yep. do watch it if you feel. I'm not going to press are... you down on the ground and be like, you better fucking watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, we watched the copy that's on Australian Netflix. So, so that's the theatrical cut. Yes, it's the theatrical cut. And when when we when I searched Savages, there was something else called Savages. Yeah. Watch the one directed by Oliver Stone that probably has John Travolta's face on the thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did say to Bartek earlier on which cut are we going to do because I wasn't too sure what road we were wanting to walk down because there's two roads of thought we could walk down here. Now, this is all done because Bartek, you didn't like the film when you saw it in the theatre, right? Yes, yeah. And I thought, okay, what are the two roads we're going to go down with this one? Are we going to go down the path of the theatrical cut, which we had both seen? Mm-hmm. I had liked it more than you. Uh, and uh, 
talk about it and maybe you can reinvigorate yourself with it and maybe your your view has changed and my view has changed and that's the road we could have gone down or we could have gone down the director's cut road that could be an improvement upon it yep. we went down with the theatrical cut road because it's been like seven years since either of us have seen it yeah you saw it in cinemas as well no, no. i saw it just after cinemas so you okay. know uh, six seven years so yeah right um I saw it just because I like Benicio del Toro. That's mm-hmm. the reason I saw this yep. movie. Well, I looked up. That's that's yeah. literally the only I, reason. I looked up the differences between the theatrical and the director's cut, and there was a lot more Benicio like family yeah, and, scenes. Yeah, and I looked it up, and a part of me was like, "Please say the director's cut so I can watch some Benicio <laughs> scenes." But from here's what I get annoyed with director's cuts. If I could just interrupt this yeah. whole thing, yeah, I tried to look up. And I don't know, maybe if someone listening could throw a link my way, but I'd love if there was a site that had a list of director's cuts that are actually worth watching Mm. and ones that necessarily don't improve the experience or whatever. Like, I know it's a very hard thing because it's a subjective medium, but you know what I mean? There's so many times where it's like when we do this show or we go do the show or other shows, we have to specify uh, the director's cut, unrated cut, this cut. It's like, And it's like, which one is the definitively better copy of the movie? Because yeah. as podcasters, as reviewers, as, as this kind of thing, as movie watchers, we want to watch the best version of this movie as possible. If so we if enjoy we film, yeah. So if we don't like it say we can feel more justified and without having the counter of someone being like well you didn't watch the director's cut which is the better cut or Mm. you watch the director's cut that's renowned as the worst cut or whatever that kind of thing like there's the blade runner thing where it's like every director's iteration cut or whatever is better than the theatrical cut but then there's the donnie darko thing where the theatrical cuts the only good cut and every other cut of that movie is Mm. terrible i don't know which cut i watched of that one theatrical most likely that's Mm. the more prevalent one like that's the opposite like blade runner you can barely find the theatrical cut now while Richard Kelly's cut of uh, Donnie Darko you can barely find you have to hunt that down and then there's the A-team where you get check that man's urine and then yeah you get unrated cuts and all these multiple cuts and it's just like I wish there was a really good online list that really does specify which ones are actually more solid to watch yeah but we went with theatrical cut because we're going to go down our own memory holes Bartek, the literal reason was let's just watch whatever's on Netflix. But sure. I actually didn't know it was on Netflix until you specified it was. I was like, okay. oh, I didn't even think it would be. I checked the uh, day before and I was like, oh, it's there. Just West, you know, the Australian Netflix is terrible in having content actually be on there. So mm. I and then we go have... in the mindset of I don't rely on the idea that it's even on there at all, and I hunt yeah. down. I use that as my last option mm. most of the time, and it's weird because I'm subscribed to Netflix, and but I use it as my last option i i always just check oh is it there and if it's not i'm like predictable and i'll just Mm. do what i normally do but then you have stuff like when when we did jennifer's body and mark watched the netflix copy and like it missed all the good that was a theatrical cut see okay and we watched the unrated so this is what i'm talking about but let's go with our history of savages Mm -hmm. i just mentioned mine i watched it purely for benicio del toro i have watched many movies just for him even if he's minor in major, I watched that Wolfman remake that they did with him as the Wolfman, mm. just for him, just for him, no one else. Anthony Hopkins is in that, but like, the movie's terrible, and he's not particularly even that great in it. But I love him as an actor. He's he's just such a presence on screen. He's always joyfully joyful to watch. Like, 
in this movie, he is over the top, of course, but he's menacing, he's gross, he's terrifying, yeah. but he's also just a joy to watch, even when he is being menacing on a genuine level, because there's those times where he is hilarious on purpose, Yeah, like when he wipes her spit <laughs> that was and licks it up, and I'm like, and I screamed at the, I yelled at the screen, as an actor... I would have done that. Like, like that's actually like you know, like as this character. That's right what after you reveal rape. Yeah, ex- <laughs> no, no, exactly. So my history is I watched this purely for Benicio, and I liked the movie when I first saw it. I wasn't madly in love with it. I just saw it for performances. The I remember the movie was a mess tonally and structurally, but it all kind of held together with some really choice performances. From Benicio, Salma, and Travolta, mm. primarily, and even now, my rewatch, uh, um, uh, Damien Bashir did a really good job as like the lawyer guy, mm. um, and that's my history with it. And then my history got more involved with your history of this movie because Bartek, you're not really the type of guy who hates a movie or really has a disdain for movies. You're kind of mm. like, eh, you know, it was I all kind right. of, like, I kind of Black like... Panther, you know, eh, like, yeah, you're like just meh about a lot of movies. If you don't love them, you're more, mm. eh. But this one, I, I saved my hate for for things that genuinely, you know, I feel deserve them because then I feel it will be emphasized more. Yeah. So I try to be more optimistic about a lot of films. And over the years, you have brought up Savages as one of those movies you had a real dislike for yeah. and I had often seen you at times when I had mentioned that I didn't mind it you would kind of clench up and be like really? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you see this at the cinema? Yes I did Um, so be- before I saw it though I, I watched the uh, Cinema Snob Midnight Screenings video for it and he, he absolutely hated it Oh. Um, so I did, but he loved Rock the Casbah. But he loved Rock the Casbah, which, and to be fair, we did that on the podcast, and it was great. And by the way, Ishtar, um, <laughs> you should watch Ishtar. <laughs> I should. Or 1941 by Steven Spielberg. Yes, yes. Um, so I saw, I seen that review of it, and I thought, okay, so it's not a great film. Uh, then a couple of weeks later, a friend of mine was having his birthday, and he invited a bunch of us to go see it at Southland. Uh- Okay. Yeah. Are they a film person? No. Okay. Okay. Mm. That's an interesting choice for a movie because it's not like this is one of those mainstream big blockbuster type movies. This Mm. is like a specific type of movie that you would want to seek out to see at the cinema. Like this is Oliver Stone. He's he's a well-credited director, but like nowadays not as, you know, loved. But that's an odd choice for a group birthday. Yeah. Hey, guys, you want to see this movie called Savages? Odd choice. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Yeah, and we, we all saw it as a group, and I think only one of us actually walked away saying, like, oh, I actually liked it. I really? think mo- most of us were not really into it. Okay, interesting. See, I always thought you saw this with your mum, because you and your mum <laughs> go see a bunch of movies, and I could see your mum being like, oh, well, John Travolta's in it, and I'm going to go see it. No, no, no. This was a group thing. Wow. Yeah. Um. And wow. that was that was my experience. And then obviously I went on my podcast with a friend of the show, Nathan Malloy, and just ranted about the things I didn't like. Which, honestly, thinking back, I think I probably gripped on just a couple of points and overemphasized them. I don't know how well I really got deep into this film back in 2012. So, what do you feel now? I can safely say I do not hate this film. I actually somewhat enjoyed it, but there are definitely things that are not too strong in it. 
No, you're right. Yeah. I can say that I enjoyed this a lot more actually on the second watch because the things that oh, I'd say I, the same thing yeah I all yeah like me I liked it I like it even more now I wouldn't say I love it I still I probably will never watch it again out of my own volition yeah um maybe just individual scenes mm. of Benicio but or the director's cut ones of Salma but like uh yeah I I'm same boat we rewatched it uh it's a more positive experience on the rewatch. Mm-hmm. I watched it with my fiance, who did not like this movie at all. Was it her first viewing? Yes. Okay, well, and she'll love it more in the second. <laughs> she did agree on the positive points I had to make, but the negatives were too much for her to appreciate what the positives were offering. And I understand that. Now, Bartek, have you seen any, if many, many or other Oliver Stone films? What are some of the ones he's made? I feel like I Wall have. Street? No, I haven't seen Wall Street. JFK, Platoon. Um, you have seen one. I have. Well, there you go. His follow-up, Snowden. I've seen Snowden. And you seemed to like that one. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> so you're not you're not saying that you're not sure if you've really seen much of Oliver Stone's work. It's, it's, yeah, it's a name I know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I've seen it. But then when you give me his filmography, I'm like, oh. Well, yeah. you know Platoon and Wall oh, yeah, Street yeah. and the cinema world of like oh yeah things those, are those iconic from it yeah i mean willem dafoe dies in platoon in the jesus pose getting shot a million times mm. like that's iconic it's a it's a freaking poster of the movie <laughs> and he's like the central character one of the central characters and obviously wall street has michael douglas giving one of the best performances of his career and the iconic lines greed is good and at the end of snowden the real snowden smiles yeah um people forget that in I always forget that did you do you know who the main act the lead actor in Wall Street actually is? Cuz Michael in Douglas real life? No, like the actor who was the lead actor in the film Wall Street cuz Michael Douglas isn't the central character. Oh, isn't it? Uh it's not not Martin Sheen. No. He's in the movie. He's in the movie. No, who is it again? Charlie Sheen. Charlie, ah, uh, the other it's Sheen. It's so insane to think that that really loved movie has Charlie Sheen as essentially, because he's a bit of a joke now, but he, mm. remember the days when he was a dramatic actor and tried? <laughs> yes, remember the Paris days Bueller. when Charlie Sheen tried? God, it feels like decades ago. Mm. But back to the film Savages. I'll give a quick rundown for the people who haven't seen it or need a quick refresh. This film is... Basically, when you break it down to basic terms, it's this trio of of lovers and Mm -hmm. business people. Blake Lively, uh, Taylor Kitsch, who's back again, Vartek. You you love Taylor Kitsch. (laughs) And uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Or credited as Aaron Johnson. Aaron Johnson, yeah. Uh, And they are in charge of the biggest drug kingpin world of pots in all of the world it seems like <laughs> and they're, they're big all, deals and they're in a, a, a polyamorous relationship they're in a triangular relationship like two guys one girl that's and that's cool uh, and the cartel wants to you know merge with them basically and they were making lots of threats and making them meet with them yeah and they don't want to on a level, like, you know, they do things, but either way, they come at a butting of heads of disagreements and the cartel kidnap the woman, Blake Lively, to ensure that the other two do what they want. 
Mm-hmm. And craziness ensues as they from there. Yes, there, there's a there's an agreement for that they'll get her back eventually, but they want her back ASAP. Exactly. So there's the conflict there. That's it. It's a very simple idea when you think about it. Like obviously, it has flourishes of complications, like the fact that there's two guys, mm. one girl. Like that's interesting. But the film executes this plot in a very odd way. Oliver Stone, I've seen a good portion of his films. And here's the thing I can say about Oliver Stone as a director. He's well known for being controversial. Mm-hmm. He's very much for provoking ideas in audiences' heads. He's gone to that point now where he is more interested in not telling the story in the script, but telling a story in a more... Uh, real-world context, so, like, this movie is about the war on drugs, and, like, this character represents this kind of thing, like, John Travolta represents the American influence on this, and this, 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 this. Mm. There's figureheads, the characters, of what political and agendas and whatever a lot of that the rev- Oliver Stone yeah. is interested in and l- wants us to be interested in. Yeah, I, le- I read that a lot of the reviews were looking at the, the allegories of... Uh, um, ideologies or mm. not ideal, some some word like that clashing with each other. Exactly, ideals clashing with each other, and that's what he is more interested in now than than actually telling the story of the film, and that's okay. So some filmmakers who 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 excel at that know how to do that. But I will say this: even with movies like Wall Street and Platoon and other movies that he's done, I've never loved any of his films. I've liked them, I've enjoyed them, but there's always things in the execution that ruin the movies on the level like Wall Street for instance I love the band The Talking Heads we did the movie True Stories the whole soundtrack is Talking Heads for Wall Street Mm -hmm. and you don't think the band The Talking Heads would be an accompanying thing for the movie about the greed of Wall Street like it doesn't it's tonally inconsistent. Yeah. I love the talking heads and the songs may match at some points, but like the whole movie is talking heads music and that's crazy weird. But in true stories, it works because the music is made for that movie and it works tonally with what's going on. So Oliver Stone's always been one of those directors that people have said is one of the greatest and I just go, or or great director. And I just go, he's never made a full film that I enjoy, including natural born killers, which this film savages has been compared to a lot in terms of his own filmography, Mm -hmm. but that has like more going on than better execution than, than this. So you're saying he's like a solid B plus director. Yeah. I I think he needs someone to come in and be like, Oliver, no, (laughs) Oliver, challenge yourself. Oliver, not challenge yourself. Oliver, stop fiddling with yourself in the corner. <laughs> that's how I feel. And that's Savages, because this movie instantly makes you not want to like it, and not in the way that um, confronting movies can do. Well, I lie. It doesn't instantly. A moment, because I f- almost forgot until just this sentence that this movie opens up found footage style. Yeah, I forgot. Like, it's a horror movie. I actually thought, did I pick the wrong set? I picked the one of John Travolta's face, right? <laughs> I didn't pick the other one, did I? <laughs> Travolta's face. It's like an this ISIS movie, beheading video. Which is fine when you find out what it is more so, but it's such a weird little opener that you go, oh, okay. And then it opens with, like, Blake Lively in black and white near a beach. 
And it just instantly wants to make you hate this movie and makes you think that this movie's going to be complete bullshit. And I'm just going to give full warning now, Bartek, for you. 2012 Bartek, I think, focused too much on that. For you, Bartek, I'm going to give you just warning. In, in the editing of this episode, I'm going to play that bit of her monologue <laughs> at the very beginning of this episode in which she says the great line... I have orgasms while he has wargasms. Ryan. Because that line in, is one of the dumbest lines Ryan, delivered that, terribly. Ryan, I ha- you have the episodes of that old podcast I did, yeah. right? I think that was like 60% of my talking about the film. <laughs> that line that is and the, wonderful. That and the next line, he's trying to fuck the war out of him. It's so fucking terrible. What makes it even worse is that line... And a lot of her narration. And let's be honest, those three central characters. Yes. Uh, the acting is not consistently great. I think out of the three of them, Aaron Johnson's actually the best one. Mm. And I've never liked him as an actor, honestly. I've always thought Kick-Ass was a decent movie, but brought down by his central performance. I've never liked that Godzilla movie that he was in because he replaced Brian yes. Cranston and you're like fuck off and I've never enjoyed him in things but I enjoyed his performance in this Taylor Kitsch is serviceable mm-hmm. and Blake Lively this is the only film I've seen her in it I'm aware of same. who she is I'm aware she was in Gossip Girl I'm aware she's married to Ryan Reynolds I know she was in The Shallows I know that she's a person but even last episode, I said, I'm pretty sure it's Amber Heard. And then I said, yeah, oh, it's did. some blonde lady. And am I wrong? You could replace her with Amber Heard. You could replace her with any blonde lady the trivia on IMDb. mildly attractive to exceptionally attractive. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, even, I, I didn't find Blake Lively even that attractive in this movie to necessitate her bad acting. Because sometimes you have actresses who are just purely gorgeous and they're there for that factor and they're mm. acting so-so. And you can skate by on the pure vanity project of them being like this pretty person. Like there's so many movies, so many actresses that are kind of like that. But for me, Blake Lively wasn't even that stunning enough for me to push past her t- Terrible acting in this. <laughs> Terrible. Well, fun fact, Ryan, when I was reading the IMDb trivia, they said that one of the couple of people they considered for the role of O, which is the character's name, was Amber Heard, so you weren't too wrong. The, you could replace them. <laughs> you swap them out halfway <laughs> through, I wouldn't notice. Except for one doesn't have a mole on their face. That's probably the difference. And one doesn't beat their husband. Like, you know, like, that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> um... She was definitely the thing that I remembered most from this film in a bad way. I think, obviously, this film's got a lot of negative press over the years. At at the time, you gave negative press. Like, let's talk about the negatives first. Because Mm. the positives are interesting, but there's always going to be that asterisk of the negatives. So I feel like let's get our negatives of this movie out of the way so that we don't have to worry about referring back to referring to the negatives while we're talking about positives. Because that's this movie in a nutshell. You can go... Benicio's great, and he was. But every time he interacts with one of the three central characters, they're terrible. Like you know, that's the problem. So Bartek, what are some of the negatives that uh, still ring true for you from when you originally watched it, and maybe ones that you are now impacted upon in this watching? Well, bring up. Uh, Blake Lively, one of the big things I remembered was there was just a lot of pretentiousness in the tone. Welcome to Oliver Stone's Welcome world. To- 
I remember Snowden being kind well, that's of... That's a true story. <laughs> that's he a biopic. To, he, he has to focus in. Yeah, Nick Cage. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... The the three main characters kind of have, like, their their main thing that you can describe of them. Like, Ophelia O, Blake Lively, um, has this very... New Age. New Aged, very written dialogue. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently yeah. this film's based on a book, so there you go. And the dialogue in the book's apparently as bad, too, by the way. <laughs> it's it's faithful, what, I, what I've read. <laughs> um, Chon, the character played by Taylor Kitsch, our boy from The Covenant. Uh, what kind of name is Chon? It's like, I don't know, it's like one vowel away from being an Asian name. Because I was going to say, I, I have no validity to this, I didn't look it up. It doesn't sound like some white guy's name from from just straight off the bat, like Chon. Mm. Or was that a nickname from the war? I don't know. I don't His know. His name is just Chon. I've never heard that name before. But yeah, Thanks, he... <laughs> this movie. It taught me a lesson. Yeah, he's he's the muscle guy. He's the one that gets things done. Yeah, he has wargasms. He has, he has <laughs> wargasms, as we saw in that first scene and the rest of the movie. Um, and he's, he saw his ass. He's hot. Yes, we did. We introduced got to his ass. Introduced to his ass and that narration that you're going to put at the start of this episode. <sighs> so um, yes. Yeah, so he there's a bit of narration narration early in the film where it mentions that like his mo is do not fuck with the other guy who was Ben played by Aaron Johnson, and he's the uh, brains. The brains, like the peaceful guy, the guy who just wants yeah. everything to go smoothly, doesn't want to hurt anyone because he's a Buddhist. Mm. Um, and those are kind of their archetype characters, and they have to. Does it annoy you at all that the movie makes a big deal that all three of them form like one person, and clearly that each one of them represents the 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 super ego, the uh, ego, ego and the id. id. Yeah, I can. See you that. just roll your eyes, like, come on. More literally, yeah. More literally, they were describing from O's perspective that the two of them form one man that she's with. Yeah, I know. She's, <sighs> yeah, I don't know when when the three of them are together, and that's not very often in this film. Thank God. O, <laughs> do, o does feel a bit like out of place. Like, hey, we're talking about drug stuff. You're telling us to go out with you. But she's hot for them. For them, yes. There's no other for woman you. that's. <laughs> Like a white blonde lady that's as pretty. The only other pretty lady that they really do have is Sam Hayek, but they want to try and make her the villain, mm. and they have to try and be conspicuous about how attractive she is until the very final scene where she's wearing that low cut shirt and her breasts are just like huge melons, and you're like, Sam Hayek is the hot one in this movie. Get the fuck out of here, Blake Lively. She, she look- Blake Lively's like twenty something years old, and she's not nearly as attractive as Sam Hayek, who's forty fucking five in this movie and looks <laughs> exactly pretty much the same as she did in Desperado. Fuck off, Blake Lively. There was a bit. Well, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you, but I'm just going to say You're this. a savage, Ryan. One of the things I hated in this movie was it's this R-rated movie or high-rated movie, like a uh, high, high classification-rated movie. Literally on Netflix, it comes up with all the things that it's rated for, and it's like sex, nudity. Every single leading woman in this movie or named actress has a sex scene, and they wear clothes throughout yeah, the whole time. And it's yeah, just one of those right. things that takes you out of it. Like, this character, O... 
it would be more of a believable if she was the type of character who was just walking around topless. And I'm not saying I want to see Blake Lively naked. It's more like you just know that Blake Lively's contract wouldn't allow her to take her top off unless it was for a specific reason of money or whatever. But we can show their guys' asses. Show their dicks if you're going to bother. Like, this is the kind of shit that bothered me in the movie. I'm like, the narration and the mechanics and, and that kind of shit where you think of the behind-the-scenes reasonings for mm. this bullshit like there's so many times where it's like she gets in the the hot tub and they're fucking and i'm like as if you would keep that whole outfit on oh fuck off it was just such <laughs> bullshit i just rolled my eyes each time there was one lady that showed her breasts but yeah she yeah. wasn't a named actress and didn't have any lines of dialogue she had, I, she had, not that I remember what the dialogue is, but yeah. That's... She had like a line that was like, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> I'm, I'm going breasts. <laughs> and it's just so amusing, like, ah, oh, this movie, this movie's a mess. But keep going on with your negatives. Oh, well, yeah, I was just describing the three main characters and their main things. Like, Ben, I was talking about, he, he's the guy that's introduced, like, oh, he goes overseas to, like... Africa, Africa, and he's, like, a good-hearted guy. Good-hearted guy. He, like, teaches children and, like, plays soccer with them. He does this all like for good stuff. Yes, because he's a Buddhist. I remember there was one editing point in that early part of the movie where I think they were talking about weed, and they were talking about, like, how good a guy Ben is, and then for, like, a split second you see, like, the Buddha over the weed, and then it goes away. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but... Uh, the way Taylor Kitsch pronounced Buddha at times, I didn't know he was saying Buddha. I had to listen hard, because there was, like, one time where he... he, he it sounded like he, he didn't say Buddha, but it was the word Buddha, but it sounded not like it. And I was like, what's he talking about? And then I had to remember that this character he's talking to is a Buddhist. And I'm like, oh, it's Buddha, right? Because I was like... Mm. He said it in a way where it's like, hey, look, you're... Your 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 Buddha, he would have like, and I'm like, what the fuck's that? I don't oh, know right, what that yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was confused because Ophelia called him a baddest. Yeah, it's so odd. <laughs> so, it's these central three characters, right? That's the the main problem of this movie. Yeah, as well as the framing mechanism of the narration, which has eye rolling. This is one of those stories where I may not be alive at the end, and you're like. Look, sweetheart, you're not you're not Sunset Boulevard, right? You're not gonna be you're not you're not like we've had a real problem at late. I was thinking with this one watching it like narrator man, characters, narrators. except for true stories, where that's the one that we both agreed and most people would agree that's where it's done right. Mm-hmm. This is the worst one when it comes <laughs> to the narration. I apologize to War Machine. But here's Do the you thing. apologize to the Australian one though with two hands? No, 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 no. Take that two hands. No, no. Well, here's the thing. With War Machine, my big complaint was, as well as it being pointless and ruining the story, was he wasn't a character in the movie. She really isn't a character either, but yet she is. Mm. I think it's just you don't care about her as a character. There's this forming relationship she has with Salma Hayek, and I just don't buy it. She keeps saying lines that are, like, meant to come across as poignant, and it's like, I feel the artifice of this line. Yeah, yeah or their relationship, like, oh, Salma's supposed to like her because she reminds her of a daughter she doesn't have anymore. And, like, doesn't that have that and relationship? Also, and also, she's, and like, a bit more blunt with her. And it just doesn't feel like this kingpin drug lord, someone who has people beheaded, yeah. would 
want to hang out with Blake Lively? Like, can you fucking, uh, can you imagine, Bartek, if Blake, someone like this character, O, got taken by fucking the cartel, and not only got on with the cartel, but got to just have dinner with the leader who is one of the most wanted criminals in the world, and who is on the level of ISIS terrorists and is and really looking Taliban. and is really looking out for this prisoner's well-being. And even when that prisoner says terrible things at them, like "I feel sorry for you," and "You're dead inside" or whatever, doesn't just goes, "Yeah, you know, you're right, you're Blake. You and your spiritual hippy dippiness. The most you get is—is is this how you Americans talk? Like, <laughs> yeah." And yet, Sam was fucking amazing in this movie. Um, there was an inconsistency with like, oh, this is the Mexican a Mexican drug cartel, one of the two big ones, and they're like ruthless. They behead yeah. people. And there's also these things. So other than the central characters and the narration, and let's just say the pretentious dialogue that comes out of our three characters, because they're really the only ones that have this pretentious dialogue. Yeah. The others may have bad written dialogue, but they don't have pretentious dialogue. What are some of the other issues that you may have with this movie, if any? Man, it really is with mainly those three. I mean, I, a lot of the Hispanic actors in this film just really did a good job. It feels like it should have just been about them, right? Yeah. Like, it should have just been, like, who's the rat? <laughs> um, John Travolta did a good job, but there were some scenes where it looked like he was smiling when he shouldn't have. Like... No, no, no. I, I thought he was the best. He was, a, he was <laughs> fucking amazing. And I know what you're talking about, but his character was always... He was always on, like the um, like the the smiling when he shouldn't have things. I no, I believe that I, character I mainly to think do that. It, I mainly think of it when like he's confronting Lado. Is that his name, Lado? Yeah, Benicio del Toro. About I just gotta call him Benicio. Like yeah. when he just comes into his house and like you threatened my daughters. It was like he's kind of smiling there, and I thought like oh, oh, I didn't see it like that. I think no, no. I think he's more flabbergasted. Like that whole dynamic. Is like that scene. Oh, the, the scene going on, yes, but, but no, no, the initial. But I, but I think when you know what his character is like, he is an asshole to every criminal he meets. So when Benicio comes into his house and he kind of understands what the scenario is going to be, he plays it more not as genuinely afraid, but with a comedic. Because he's a more comedic character, he's more like a GTA character. That's he true. plays it like he's genuinely flabbergasted. Like, whoa, whoa, you come into my house? If you're going to kill me, at least do it away from the kid. Like, that's what I saw that as a more comedic scene because then Benicio, he gets turned around by the logic of John Giovanni. <laughs> when at the start, he was the one with the power in the room yeah. and somehow John took that power and switched it around. That's why I was like, I didn't mind him smiling in terrifying moments because I always felt like he always had the upper hand in the situations. Hence, he gets to live. That was one of the things I forgot, that John Travolta gets to live in this movie when he's one of those characters you would expect to die because he's just so cocky, but he doesn't, and I appreciated that. One of my big issues with this movie, Bartek, is the filmmaking itself. Yes. It's got all of these filters, all of these weird transitions. One complaint I have when it comes to the cinematography is it can be really nice to look at, except for... Pull the fucking camera back, Oliver. There are so many intense close-ups. Sometimes their eyes aren't even in the frame of the shot. There's sometimes where it just is like on their like chin. And I'm like, what is this shot, Oliver? Like, pull the camera back. Let me absorb what you've got on the frame. Just pull the camera back. Here's how I describe Oliver Stone and his filmmaking and Savages. 
You know that phrase, style of a substance? Mm-hmm. It's often used. We've used it on the show before. This is style ruins substance. Mm, the style that, yeah. gets in the way. There have been many people complain about the dual ending of the movie. Yeah, I was going to say that. Was... Um, for me, I don't mind it. It's just how it's actually executed. It just feels so pretentious. The, because there's yeah, the been second a, ending especially. To, you know, spoilers for the film Funny Games. There's a dual ending of that movie too where, where the, the, the killers get, like the psycho killers in that movie get bested, but then one of them takes a remote yeah, rewinds and rewinds the, the scene. And, and that's great. It doesn't feel as like, fuck you, these are kind of like, fuck you and your conventional uh, ideas of what a story is. But this particular ending, the dual ending, is just so pretentious. Black yeah. and white out of nowhere. Like, and it's the sec- style the sec- ruins the substance. Yeah, that second ending, the, the real ending, uh, it it's just words too it's just told yeah really. i mean i was happy rushed. to see john travolta like <laughs> yeah that's true but that was the only part of it that i liked i was like oh oh my, my and benicio and benicio yes <laughs> and then he reverses and i'm like that's the way this character should end i was actually annoyed that we got to see him again after that i thought if you ended him there going <laughs> like a cartoon and driving off i'd be like perfect and you just tell us with words what happened to him I wouldn't need to see him again, but then they show him he's got like these nice boots and he's just smoking a cigar. I'm like, ah, like, go away wh- with that. One of one of the things I did remember from my initial viewing was that the in the ending. I say remember, this is misremember. I thought the real ending was that like O runs away and they never see her again. But then when I watched the film itself last night, they all got separated. They right? they all seem to be together. No, I thought they were all separated off from the. FBI, CIA, I mean, DEA. I mean the main three. Yeah. What, but weren't they hanging around at a fire together? I think it was... I don't know. It just felt very... That's a problem. Yeah. It's on purposely dreamy and weirdly done because she's at a beach, one's in Africa, and one's somewhere... Like, it's all convoluted. At the point, my big thing is, since we're talking about those characters, my answer to you is sure. Because I don't care. I don't, I don't care. care. Mm. I don't care. Um, th- my big problem is the direction. It just feels like Oliver Stone needs to calm down. Mm. This film got made better, and that film was called Sicario. And that had Benicio Del Toro in it as well. <laughs> it was made by Denis Villeneuve, who, you know, it's a very similar movie, like Take on the Cartel and whatever, and Benicio is intimidating, but he's on the side of the good guys, mm. but not really. And it's got, like, that's a better movie of this Oh, there is, is different, but it's dealing with similar issues, and it's just a better movie than yeah. this. One of the other things that I also remember was um, they have those sniper friends. Oh, God, yeah. And when we're first introduced to them, O has this narration about how, like, oh, they're the sweetest guys when you get to know them. And we don't. And we don't. That was something I remembered from my initial viewing. Like, we don't fucking get to know them. But then we also... <laughs> I didn't mind. We, we also see they have other friends, like hacker friends and the guy yeah, from the bank, and we don't get yeah. to know them, really. One of them's Speed Racer, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I noticed <laughs> I noticed immediately of Speed Racer. <laughs> Again, we... A bit of foreshadowing in our mystery... Uh, in, 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 no, in something recently we watched. Was it last week we watched where it had kick? 
from Speed Racer in it as well. We did a podcast recently where another character from Speed Racer was in the last... Was it last week's episode? Oh, War, was it War Machine? Yeah, War Machine. The guy at the table. Yes. That was yeah, also, oh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is the next episode going to have Speed Racer, another Speed Racer person it's in it? It's going to have the girl. Fuck. Yeah. Trixie yeah. or whatever her name is. Uh, you, you mean uh, a child actress who played Wednesday Addams? In the Adams family, either that one or the grown-up one. Oh, it's actually going to be Rose McGowan, like I thought it was. <laughs> um, yeah, the negatives are. There's plenty of negatives to. Oh, if we go back to true stories, John, uh, John Goodman, he yeah. was the dad in Speed Racer. Oh fuck! It's so just that's been... three in a row. Fuck! It's, was Heath Ledger secretly in there too? <laughs> like it was everyone in Speed Racer that we've done on the show. Well, Matt Ryan, Stone was in Speed Racer. Your I imagine ne- your next, the film you're picking at the end of this episode, Ryan. Better have someone from Speed Racer. In. I'd be very disappointed. It has the Wachowskis themselves. No. It has uh, the. Is this your penis, guy? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, there's plenty of negatives we could keep ragging on. Mm-hmm. I think we covered pretty much all of them there's a lot of terrible choices being made i will want to comment on one more sure uh, uh, i don't know how to say it but uh the rape yeah in the movie yeah that is shown on the picture that, yeah that felt mm. it felt oddly positioned I'm not against it being there. It's just yeah. oddly done because we knew. I felt it was implied already when she was clearly getting like drugged. She was drugged, and on. that other guy was disgusted in him, mm. and we didn't see it. And I thought that was enough to let the audience stew on that and maybe think for themselves instead of showing us. Although I feel mixed because I loved Benicio's whole moment handling of but here's the problem yeah blake lively in that scene is fucking terrible she reacts to it like oh no and not like anything more than that like she's she may be crying she may be but it didn't feel like this genuinely harrowing thing that she's witnessed Mm. i will say with the alternate ending i do prefer one aspect of it which is in the fake out ending uh, Benicio is killed, but he kills Sama Hayek, and it's done like, this is because you didn't fuck me? And I'm so glad that that's a fake-out motivation, because I was genuinely disappointed that that was, like, the idea that his motivation for being a trickster, chaos fueling asshole is because Sama didn't fuck him. Mm-hmm. Which, you could still argue it is, but I feel like now it's not as definitive of an answer. I just enjoy the fact that Benicio is like this agent of pure chaos and is only in it for himself. Mm. Um, let's talk about the positives. And when I say talk about the positives, I mean, let's talk about the actors we all liked <laughs> and the set pieces that they have involved. Let's run down from from lesser to the best. Benicio will be the last one we talk about. <laughs> um, I like Damien Bashir. He was the one who played the lawyer guy. Was that Alex? The guy that got yeah. tortured to death? I liked him. Mm. He's become more of a well-known actor in more mainstream things. I mean, I saw him in this, but what I really remember him first seeing him in was Machete Kills. Mm. Um, I believe that was him. And he was 
he's been one of those actors that's been in more and more things. I'm pretty sure he was in Hateful Eight. I think he was Senior Bob. And uh, that's his name. Mm. Uh, and I think he was in more mainstream, like the 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 Nun, the spinoff of the Conjuring movies, and like he's just been appearing more and more. And he's a real shapeshifter as well. Like he, the one thing that gives him away is he has a very, that very distinct Mexican accent. But he is one of those guys who physically looks different in a lot of movies. I thought he was great when he was allowed to be that kind of cold menace. Like, when they have that meeting scene? Yeah, in the park. No, when they first meet him. Oh, the, uh, yes, the initial the, meeting. The initial meeting. Yep. I thought he was wonderful. He was being charismatic and charming, and he was having fun with them. But Still also, But you knew that it was all, like, on the pretext. Yeah. I thought he was really good. And I felt kind of upset that his character got brutally tortured. And... I'm not going to be a pussy. I wasn't confronted by the extreme violence of it. I, I wasn't like, oh my god, his eyes hanging out of his head. I didn't even feel that way. I've seen a lot of violence in movies, so that didn't throw me. I can see how it could throw others. I've seen more violent cartel movies as well. So, you know, I'm not as uh, abhorred, like, I'm not as, like put back by the violence, although it is over the top. Yeah. And sometimes it's really bad, the violence too. Like, this isn't the fault of this movie. This is the fault of modern Hollywood. CGI blood has n- never looks good. Mm. I I never think CGI blood looks good, except for maybe David Fincher when he does it in stuff like Zodiac. But it always took me out of the movie when somebody got shot, and it's like CGI blood. Mm. Like remember the the soldier guy that was following her to the mall, and he got pulled over by the cops, and they yeah, shot yeah, him. Yeah. It just looks so fake. Just makes you go, but that's not this movie's fault. That's modern Hollywood's fault. I'm not going to hold that against this movie. When Aaron Johnson was wearing the mask and that guy was like confronting him, and that guy was killed, the blood went on the mask. Was that also CGI? Yeah, but then they cut it. It's real blood. Right. Like it's just a lot of like that's modern Hollywood. But Damien Bashir, I think he did a really good job. I felt upset that his character died, and I liked that he did die. And Benicio's. (laughs) <laughs> like gleaming off of it and he gets to do it well he doesn't get to you know he gets a torture i mean then he forces aaron taylor johnson to do yeah, it the buddhist <laughs> and there's so Mr. much nothing person possibilities for those three characters like her having to watch them or ben specifically become the brutal guy that uh that sean is mm. is an interesting thing but they don't even make that horrifying like someone's like uh make her watch but then for the rest of the scene, the she's guy's not holding normally, it. She's yeah. watching it normally and not covering her eyes, not closing her eyes. It's like, as if. Like, specifically, what Ryan's saying See. is make her watch. The guy physically grabbed her head and forced her to look at the screen. But that wouldn't even work because she could just close her eyes. Yeah. The guy's standing directly behind her. How would he know? Yeah, it's like... you oh, should. They should have had him, like, pry her eyes with his finger. Like, it's... This is basic 101. Yeah, it's just, oh, I turned your head. Now you're watching. And I'm then it cuts. Anything. And she's just watching. Yeah. And it's so unbelievable. And that's what I mean. Like, her character's really unbelievable. Not only is it, like, she doesn't get naked, and I'm not saying that she needs to necessarily, but as to the believability of this, she's just, like, watching without any horror. She's more horrified with no toothbrush being offered to her than, than to watch her spiritual boyfriend that she appreciates for being a lover, not a fighter, having to brutally murder someone on behalf of her. Yeah. Because it's all for her. 
Yeah, the mantra that's that Sean implanted in Ben is "fuck you, UFO." Therefore, he can like try to yeah. do things. Uh, but Damien Bashir, I think he was good. You liked him too. Yeah, he did a good job. Travolta. Travolta. He did. He was fun. I missed him when he wasn't in the movie because, like, oh, there I was a period his... where it was a while before we got to see him again. I like that he had short hair. Mm, yeah, you like him bald, so it was close as you can He's get bald that. now, so, yeah. in real life. So, uh, you know, because, uh, look, Travolta's a weird guy. We all know this. He is an inconsistent actor. I'm not going to say he's a bad actor. I'm not going to say he's a great actor. I'm going to say he's an inconsistent actor, because he's mm. been truly brilliant in movies, and truly terrible as well. And it's not even direction sometimes. It is just, he is a very specific type of actor. You need to put him in specific type of roles. This was a good one for him. It was one of the more lively movies for him in a, quite a while. This was back to back, I think, with uh, From Paris with Love. So it was a great time for Travolta. You know, he's not doing so great now. He's doing trash at the moment. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed him in this movie. He felt like a GTA character. I genuinely loved how just over-the-top arrogant he was and had clearly no allegiance to anyone, but everyone believed him to because they all thought they had power over him and he's the kind of guy they that all uses that... <laughs> that ignorant idea that they have power over him to and, have power over them. And they, and they kind of have an idea of like, oh yeah, you're also working with these guys, but you're 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 working for me mainly, right? Yeah, I loved him <laughs> in that Benicio scene at his house yeah. and Benicio's like picking off the things off the sandwiches he doesn't like. The, yeah, the tomatoes. And something else on the sandwich, the cheese, I think, too. And it's just oh, I ham. It was just and I love their dynamic. Because here's the thing, too. No offense to Blake Lively, Aaron Johnson, or, or Taylor Kitsch, but when you have people like Salma Hayek and Benicio and Travolta, they're better because they're seasoned pros. They've mm. been in this game for decades at this point. Yeah. And you could tell, right? Not to say that there aren't young actors who, who just exude that. It's just these ones don't. You know, Aaron Johnson's probably the better out of the three, but but when you see John Travolta interacting with them and he's doing his Travolta-isms and he's just, like, got this energy that they don't have. And it's not because the character's different. It's he, as an actor, is more experienced and seasoned. Even if you don't think he's a great actor, he is more seasoned pro than these three are. Yeah. And you, if you don't think he's better than Blake Lively... <laughs> She's, she's only here. a little better, Ryan. <laughs> Not by much. But I thought he was really great. What about you? You, 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 you seem to have a lovely relationship with Travolta. Like every time we've watched a Travolta thing or talked about Travolta, you always get a little smile on your face. Oh, yeah, I quite like him. Yeah. Was he one of the more positive things on your first watch of this, or did you not like him in this? Um. You know what? Trying to remember all the negativity, negative negativity I had in my first viewing, I can't say that John Travolta was really up there. In fact, when when I looked this up on Netflix to make sure it was there, and I saw Travolta in the thumbnail, I just I had this thing in my head of like, yeah, that's right, he was in this film. I'm a little annoyed. I think in the opening credits, I may be wrong. I didn't double check, but they. And I don't know how Hollywood works, money and blah blah blah. But I'm annoyed that I think he got higher billing than Benicio did. Did he? I think he may, may have. I may be wrong on that, but that says Hollywood. He's a bigger name than Benicio think, in the long I think, run. I think there was one name that got a surprisingly low billing, but I can't remember which one it was. Well, yeah. 
Uh, Hollywood machine. Machine. Ah. Yeah, and I, li- I like that scene too um, in his house because it was kind of like a... A follow, uh, not a, a follow up. up. Yeah, a mirroring to the scene with Shay Wiggum. Who, yeah, way earlier in the film, where the lawyer, the lawyer guy, where he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna gonna talk around Benicio del Toro," and, and get, doesn't work. And like, it looks like it's working. He's, he's on the phone. Oh, like, please, I'm, I'm making you please. a good deal. It never looked like it was gonna work. <laughs> well, he thought it was working. Yeah, he was an idiot. <laughs> and Benicio so- was just like smiling, like, "Yeah, I, this isn't gonna work, but go ahead." <laughs> He's calling, like, the Fuck. other big drug cartel Fuck. guy. We'll, we'll get to Benicio. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk Salma, Mayak. Mm-hmm. Have you seen her in many things? Honestly, I'm not sure that I have. But I really remembered her from my first viewing as being one of the better elements of the film. I love her. She was great. I've always loved her. She was in Desperado, which was one of the first R-rated violent movies I've I had s- watched. I've seen that, but I can't really remember she, it too much. She was the girl. I remember liking El Mariachi more. Yeah, people often go like that. I like Desperado more because it's just so over the top. But, uh, and that's the Buscemi in it. Hmm. Uh, I love, I've always loved her. I've always thought that she has been a very fun actress. I wouldn't even necessarily say a great or good actress, but I've always thought she was always, she's always fun to watch. I always Hmm. find her just such a breath of fresh air, even when she's playing intimidating bad people. It's it's just a breath, and I really liked her character in this movie, as well as her. I think she does a really good job of portraying this character and giving her more depth and mm. dimensions than what's in the script, I feel. Yeah, like, she misses her daughter, and, like, she looks like a doting mother, and then later on she even admits that, like, I'm happy that my daughter doesn't like me, things and like that. It's just her performance, like, when she's... I really like the, 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 the trick of when she's speaking in English and she gets revved up and angry, she goes back to her default language, which is what happens with a lot of people who speak, you know, in, mm-hmm. in another tongue. I'm from an ethnic family. You know, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, when people get impassioned or enraged or whatever, they will fall back into those specific things, and I felt the like... The language sh- they have a more big flow And with, I yeah. feel like that was really well done, and I found her genuinely intimidating when she was trying to be intimidating. I like that bit where she, like, took off that wig... Yeah. It was like, I liked um, it, I, I don't. It wasn't one of the more intense ones, but when when uh, when O was asking like, oh, can I speak to the man in charge? And she's like, put me on, put, show, show what I look like. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I loved her, and I thought she was brilliant. I thought that character was such an interesting idea of this woman who has lost so much in her life. And mm. feels the burden to take the responsibilities onto herself so no one else has to suffer. And in turns makes those people suffer. She has a son that doesn't speak to her because she took the power from him. But she was doing it to protect him. And then she has a daughter that doesn't speak to her either. Because doesn't want to see her. Doesn't yeah. want to speak to her either, really. Like she, yeah. yeah, they speak. But she, she begrudgingly speaks to her. That doesn't phone, want yeah. her either in life. And for similar reasons, and it's just like this tragedy of this woman just doesn't understand what she's doing is pushing away the things that are actually important. Mm. And she's holding on to an empire that's slipping through her fingers, as we find out throughout the movie. We slowly find out in the movie that she's actually, her empire is falling apart. Yeah. I, At the I, beginning, it seems like, ooh, these guys are the top dogs. But by the end, you realize, no, she's she's losing. There was a point earlier in the film, and I... I'm honestly not sure if I was meant to feel this or not, but um, the initial deal was that, like, you two guys work with me, we'll split 80-20, you guys get yeah. 80. Later on, when she's kidnapped O, she's like, the deal's now 70-30. Yeah. And I was th- sitting there, and I was like, 
that really doesn't matter to them. It, it no, feels... but she doesn't understand. She doesn't. That. Yeah, she doesn't understand. She that. underestimates That's what, I'm yeah. what really like she thinks that she's got the upper hand because she got what they want, but mm. she doesn't realize it's also a weakness for her to yeah. have that. I really like that they figured out that she has a daughter. I thought it was actually really well done. I did not like, however, that scene in the mall where we get introduced to her daughter and she's standing right next to Blake Lively. I just yeah. roll my eyes at the convenience of that. Like, wow, what a small I world. actually wouldn't have... I would have liked not to have seen the daughter until she got kidnapped. Mm. Just have it phone conversations like it, yeah. or whatever. But can I just say, <laughs> as badass as Salma is in this movie... I loved her dynamic with Benicio. Loved her dynamic with uh, with all of her men and her people, and her daughter. But that one scene in which she's got the horse and she's dressed in a full little cowgirl outfit, <laughs> I just went, "Could this be her bad guy outfit for the rest of the movie?" I thought that was she's like revolver. Ocelot. She's just so cute. <laughs> she's so cute, and she's so wonderful. And I'm just a huge Sam Hayek fan. Like I've just always liked her, and she's she's in like Spy Kids three as a scientist with <laughs> with pigtails that fly around, and you're just like Sam, what are you doing? I think I read this is going back to the daughter who we haven't mentioned her yet. So clearly she's one of our top characters. Um, <laughs> she has that one very brief sex scene with her boyfriend. And I think I read in the trivia that the boyfriend's actor was originally meant to play a different character that got cut. So yeah. They... Did you notice that she was wearing clothes? Of course, Ryan. Yes. All the clothes, including underwear. She's not the token character that shows breasts in the film. Did you know who originally they had scenes filmed of an actress playing O's mother? Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that we never see O's mum despite her getting mentioned a lot. And do you know who the actress was? I read it like three times last night, but it slipped my mind. It's, Uma it was Thurman. Uma Thurman, that's right, yeah. Odd. odd. And apparently the original... And her character had a name, and apparently that character's name was the original title of the film. This is an odd, odd movie. It was like Laku or something. Now, let's talk Benicio. Then I'm not daughter. skipping over anyone, <laughs> am I? Um, Any other important right. players or characters or moments? Because basically all the great moments are Benicio's. He, they I, should have I, named this yeah. movie him. Lado, Laco, whatever his yeah, name was. Yeah. Lado. Lado. Uh, yeah. What makes him work so well is how, even though he's a ruthless, slimy, unlikable, he's so charming. He's having a lot of fun. He's having role. fun and it makes you have fun. Yeah. There's a reason Benicio is the shining light in Sicario. Sicario's an excellent movie. Great acting from everyone. But he shines so bright to the point in which they gave him a sequel to that movie where it's just all about his character. Mm. Which goes against what the first movie is. In fact, Sicario, the whole third act derails itself to be about him now instead of the main character because he is so fucking great. He's been one of the most underrated actors working in Hollywood today. Uh, for this whole entire time. I can't believe that he's one of the elements I didn't remember of this film. How could you yeah. forget? So when you were telling me, like, oh, Benicio was good, and then I'm like, was he? Yeah. I preface this to my fiance. I said, every aspect of this movie, outside of the three characters, is pretty solid. And Benicio is a gem. When we first properly get to know him is when he attacks the lawyer. That's yes. when we first get to... That's the scene where we meet him, yeah. And the lawyer, Shay Wiggum, who's a well-known actor, character actor, he's been in everything. You've seen him in something, trust me. I must have, yeah. I think he's been on the show. <laughs> Them two bounce off each other so well. I was upset that Shay Wiggum died. 
There was that little trick where Shane Wickham's like, yeah, and he like throws the phone up in the edge and catches it in the other head because he's so assured in himself that he's like, going to do work. Well. And Benicio's like just like sitting on the table and he's picking apart sandwiches there too and flicking stuff in, on the floor. And it's just, He loves kitchens. It's so good, that scene. That's when the movie actually starts. Yeah. That's how the movie should have opened. It should have opened on Shay Wiggum driving down the street, singing I'm Just a Poor Boy, <laughs> like George Clooney in Intolerable Cruelty, and then Benicio's there. That's how the film should have opened. And it should have been a movie about the cartel and the inner workings of the cartel, and how Benicio's this just fucking rat bastard he's amazingly <laughs> wonderfully cheesy but also intensely serious mm. he's got this over-the-top hair he does this facial hair but it's that smile and his eyes that really sell you on it like he just loves being cruel you don't get a tragic backstory you don't get the actual motive oh you didn't fuck me so now i'm like this or oh i love money he just loves being a prick. Yeah. I read that a lot of his scenes in the director's cut are more like dramatic. Like yeah, so I don't know how much better that would have been. But uh, uh, maybe it would be great. Maybe he'd sell it. Yeah. Here's the biggest disappointment for Benicio del Toro in the MCU cinematic universe. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they cast him not as a villain. Yeah. And you know the big problem with the MCU where they have these throwaway villains that are just boring. Mm-hmm. You could have one of those, but cast Benicio, and he would <laughs> just... Make it memorable. Because sometimes you have problems with villains in movies where what I'm saying about him could be a negative. We probably said it as a negative, where it's, they're just a villain who just enjoys being evil can be a negative. Mm. But in this movie, it's just so... And Benicio, and it's just so great. Yeah. Now tell me what about Benicio's performance you really liked in some memorable scenes or moments that really stuck out for you and little tricks of the trade that he did that you really liked. Well, it's like you said, he was just having so much fun that you couldn't help but really enjoy it whenever he was there. Um, we, we have mentioned the spit scene, which after he... <laughs> Licks it onto his own fingers. He wipes it off using her hair. I clapped. I clapped. I went... Like, it's like I was zero saying... offence taken to being <laughs> spat on after revealing that you raped someone. Raped that person who spat on you. Yeah. Like, the, the timing of that reveal was weird, but the, that reaction just made it worse. And it. his way of showing it, like, hee <laughs> like, taking the phone away from her. She like she's trying to grab, to grab the phone. Like, he's no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, he's such a trickster. He's like a Bugs Bunny character, I swear. Um, yeah, shit, there's just... There was the part where in the fake ending, Taylor Kitsch revealed, Chon revealed to Salma Hayek Elena that, yeah. um, like, oh, he betrayed you. And then she turns around and he does, like, that kissy thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think even Taylor Kitsch kind of reacted to that. I thought he was doing it to Taylor Kitsch. I thought so too. <laughs> so I think it was more like, you, you gave me away, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, he, even when he's straddled with terrible dialogue, like the bit where he is saying, they're savages. Every time they say the word savages is yeah. so forced. He delivers it with such ease, even though you recognize his terrible line, and it's really not delivered even that well. But you like him so much, you give it a pass. Mm. He is the life of this movie. When he's like, when she, he's giving her all the stuff, in your water, and he shakes the bottle like, <laughs> like he's so joyful. And then like, 
no toothbrush? And he just is genuinely taken aback. And then he's like, you want to use my finger? <laughs> he's like, you can use my finger. And she's so disgusted. And he is just so gleeful. But I really love that bit where he found out that he, he, she talked to Salma Hayek. Yeah. And he's just, and, he, and he's drugging her. And he's looking at her and he's like, then the next time you want something, you can just ask me. <laughs> and, you're like, <laughs> and you're like, no, don't ask him. He's the worst. And when Summer Hike was like chewing him out, he like did a prayer pose. <laughs> <laughs> when he's getting chewed out, he's so fake. He's not even trying. I wanted to find who did it for you. <laughs> when he was killing Shay Wiggum, the lawyer, mm-hmm. and he grabs the phone to talk to the other guy on the phone. It's really nice that actually that guy ties back into the plot and he yeah. actually had a relationship. And I like that in the end, he starts working for that guy and they get over their past differences. And, and we don't re- even get revealed, to know what yeah. they were. He's revealed that John Travolta is like, well, how long have you worked with him? Since two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and John Travolta's like, well, how can you trust him? And he goes, eh. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then you see Benicio start to worry now. Like, like he's like <laughs> genuinely like, Oh well, maybe I put my eggs in the in too many ba- in the wrong basket. Oh my god, what should I do, John? I love it. I love it. And just like you didn't let them know I'm the rat, did you? Like he's genuinely concerned. An amazing performance. It really was. This is one of those examples of when you get asked a question, what is an amazing performance in a movie or a piece of media that is subpar? This is one of the answers. His performance, you know, in a great world, would have got award claim. And it's a cheesy performance, it's over the top, but it is just such a brilliantly crafted performance. Outside of the humorous aspects, there's just so many nuances he does in this performance. The look, the mannerisms, the dynamic he plays off of people. It's a masterclass of acting, and it's because... He's having so much fun, but it's a masterclass of acting because he's making you have fun with this character who is deplorable, and you just miss him every time he's on screen, and he makes it look like it's easy. Mm. That's one of the things. Him and Travolta have the very great skill of making it look like it's easy. See, Salma doesn't have that, but her character doesn't need that. She's not a fun character. Like, she has fun moments, but she's not, like, an upbeat, like, ah, I'm having fun watching her. She's more of an, oh, interesting, like... But those two guys, they just, it's just like putting on a glove for them. Like, but we know as actors and we know movies that it's incredibly difficult, especially with someone like Oliver Stone, who's a very meticulous director who wants certain things done certain ways. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to bring up when it comes to the actual moments, scenes, bits? Um, yeah, there, there is a... The title of the film is obviously Savages, and they do mention the They give word. you the definition. Right at the end, they give you a definition for Savages. And did we need it at that point? The, the <laughs> definition they gave was, like, coming to a carnal state of being. Like, yeah. very much the id idea. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's a specifically worded definition for this word to try to justify the fact that, like, we're all savages, and savages can be a good thing. That's the thing that bothers me, I was going to say with this. Yeah. I can't truly recommend this movie. Yeah. I don't even truly love it. I like it. There are things, like I said, I'll watch scenes again. Just scenes. But the whole movie, no. One of the big issues with this is there are some directors, like Oliver Stone, 
where the movie doesn't exist to tell a story or to give themes or to let you enjoy it as entertainment. And that's fine. You know, I love those kind of things. You know, those movies that get you thinking, that get you thinking about the outer world context of things. What does this represent? But it gets in the way of this movie. And it is a movie that is best summed up by saying, The savages aren't the people in the movie, but you watching at home, you're the savages. Aren't we all savages? It's that kind of movie where the title is... We're all savages. It is a movie that, at the at the end of the day, because of the people making it, and maybe from the source material, it is pretentious bullshit. Yeah. But it has such good material in there that if you have to dig through it, but here's the argument I could hear someone say. You know, I like peanuts, but I don't like having to dig through shit to eat them. Mm. And I could see that argument being made, and I agree. But at the same time, damn Benicio. I think 2012 Bartek just really wanted some peanuts. And you didn't appreciate Benicio. I, yeah, I barely remembered him. How could you forget him? Yeah. Um, I also remember there was, yeah, trying to, one of the lines in the film, I think it might have been a Salma Hayek one, where she was talking about the two guys who, by the way, everyone listening to this episode, Ben and Sean are the main characters. So as much as we talk about everything else Yeah, but we film, don't like him, so try, try to remember that most of this film is the two of them. Yeah. And think about how much we talk about them. There's a part where a character <laughs> mentions that, like, I think two O. Oh, those two need themselves, each other more than they need you, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's like, do, do they? What does that mean? It's... Yeah, it's always played like they love each other the most, and Benicio obviously is the blunt one who's like they're gay. Yeah, yeah, right. But they, they come across as like close bros. I, I don't guess, even. My big problem yeah. is I didn't feel that because they're always at ideological odds yeah. throughout the whole movie and I never bought them to why they're friends mm. it feels like yeah the, the business wise they work well together because of reasons given but yeah the closeness they actually feel is just like oh they're bros I guess before we wrap up this conversation one last thing mm-hmm. I didn't look this up but I have a gut feeling Bartek you know how sometimes you just have a feeling in your gut and you're just going to go with it and you could be proved wrong yeah, well, and the, all the facts are given to you to prove you're wrong, but you just look at the facts and say, no, I'm right. It's like last week with a War Machine where I'm like, oh yeah, it was written, it was originally a book and you're like, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing, Bartek. Yeah? I don't know if the person who did the makeup for this movie was the same person who did Suicide Squad, but I have a feeling with those tattoos that every character seems to have except for the cartel characters who uh-huh. you would assume would have tattoos mm. is garbage just like the ones in Suicide Squad I just I don't know are you saying that this film had Oscar worthy makeup yeah <laughs> take that makeup artists um I think that's about it Bartek I savages so. savages 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 we're all savages yeah, uh, now say to play being, the Pocahontas song, Savages. No. Bartek, uh, a real pleasure to talk about Savages. Your recommendation, you chose one that you didn't like. Do I recommend it? Ma- yeah, do you? I have to say, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more this time. And even talking about it in this podcast recording, I'm, I'm a lot more keen on it. But again, as I just emphasized two minutes ago, most of the film is focusing on our 
trio mm. of main characters, and, and they, they suck, <laughs> and they are not the the greatness of this film. Uh, so there are great moments, and I'll I'll be bold. I'll say it's worth watching for the great moments, but try not to uh, to jump onto your metaphor or allegory again. Uh, don't just look for the peanuts. Um, I don't recommend it on the whole. Yeah. I, I think if you're a fan of brilliant acting that saves movies, like, you know, I am. Oh, this film definitely has things that you can describe as saving graces. Yeah. Saving graces. There's a good 90-minute movie hidden in this two-hour and ten-minute-long movie. Yeah. That's struggling to get out. Mm. And that movie is the part where you cut out Aaron Taylor Johnson and Taylor Kitsch and Blake Lively. Uh, it's all right. Mm. It's just all right at the end of the day. It's an odd movie. I will give it the fact that it isn't like most movies. But at the same time... There were so many things I read online of people talking about how the twist ending was great or, you know, was not expected, so people hated it. But it didn't feel that special to me. I think... Maybe we're more accustomed to these type of things, and you, we've seen this seven years ago, so it was more like, oh yeah, I remember that, or even if you forgot, you're like, oh yeah. I remember just before it re- rewound, like two seconds before, I'm like, oh my god, it's going to rewind, I remember this now. Yeah. <sighs> How could you forget with the little random scenes of her in black and white for no reason? Yeah, that was just my memory of like, oh, did I misremember that? Then it's like, no, 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 you didn't misremember it, here's the actual events that so, lead to that. So, Bartek, uh... Let's head on to the end part of the episode. We do not (laughs) have any uh, promo for other podcasts at the moment. We've run dry for the time being. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, just, you know, it just happens. So if you're a fellow podcaster listening or you know fellow podcasters that could be interested in emailing through some promos for your show or any other show uh that would be much appreciated if you were just general listening people if you want to email us as well with just general feedback comments views suggestions for future movies to cover our email is spit and polished at gmail.com yep specifically spit and polish ed at gmail.com exactly it's a past tense polish and if you want to follow us we're on the social medias of facebook and twitter spit and Polish Presents, you'll find us. Please give us a rating and review or shout out on whatever uh, podcast platforms allow it. Share us around like the disease we are. Like a virus. Like a virus. If you're a savage, savage it up. Well, that's that's an empty thing to say, Ryan, because we're all savages. We're all savages. Um, Bartek, it's my turn for a recommendation for a movie. Yes. Now, I'm going to break formula. We're not going to have a movie with a narrator <laughs> for the next episode. Fuck. Miller's Crossing again. <laughs> but we are doing a movie you have seen before. Okay, cool. Recently, because of me, mm-hmm. we're doing Falling Down. Awesome. From cool. 1993, starring Michael Douglas. So, for next week's episode, make sure to check out the Joel Schumacher directed. Now, trust me, people. When I say that, I know that doesn't <laughs> sound like a selling point. But this is one of those movies that that infuriates me in the fact that Joel Schumacher is a brilliant director because of this movie shows it. And he's never, in my opinion, done anything close to the brilliance of direction in this movie. Mm. Michael Douglas gives a career best performance. Do check this movie out for the next dis- next week's discussion. It's on a good it. one, guys. Check it out. It's got no narrator character. Yeah, I know. 
I know, you're going to be bummed. And I'm not sure if Robert Duvall was in Speed Racer as, you know, Christina Ricci's <laughs> character, but whatever, as Trixie. Uh, but do check it out. Uh, Mobile Isaac? Yes? Thank you so much for showing us that we're savages. Yes, I'm sorry, but also not sorry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> There's no guarantee that I'll be alive by the time this episode ends, guys. He might have been stabbed in the hand. Sorry, I'm swimming yeah, underwater. Swimming underwater. Now, now I'm at a fire, and Ryan might <laughs> God, not be there. This movie's pretentious <laughs> bullshit. Jeez. It really is. It really is. But it's also got brilliant things in it. Well, until next time, listening people, remember to fuck the war out of you with a walkasm.